Some years ago, we had this movie come out, How to Train Your Dragon 2, and I joked it was basically episode N, the movie. Like, th there were a lot of things similar to Pokemon, particularly um, that section of Best Wishes with N and Geddesis and Colress. So it's no small wonder I saw it like nine times in the theaters. Well, now that movie has another sequel. And the joke around the internet is that this time, How to Train Your Dragon is giving us Bye Bye Butterfree. That trailer, man. I don't know what form our impending death and heartache will take, but this franchise does seem to draw from a similar well as Pokemon, so buckle up. But right now you are listening to a Pokemon podcast, a Pokemon anime podcast. As such, able to draw parallels between Pokemon and other children's animated cartoons. Today we'll be discussing episode 45 of Advanced Generation, a Togepi Mirage, and it's a part two of a two-parter, so stay tuned for the epic conclusion. Before we get into that, a reminder that Peekappy Podcast is brought to you by PokePress. And right now, Stephen has a report up from the Madison VCG Regionals Masters Division. He has an interview with Paul Chua, who won the video game competition um, at the Masters level this year. So congratulations, Paul. And if you want to read Steven's interview with him, get to know this guy and what kind of team wins an event like this, you can visit pokepress.blogspot.com. Again, that's pokepress.blogspot.com, or you can also find more of Steven's um, exploits around the Pokemon fandom on YouTube at PokePress. For now, though, let's get into this episode um, and talk about some other Pokemon teams. Ones that may not win any championships, but are nonetheless causing our heroes trouble. So when we were last with our heroes, they were trying to flee the Mirage Kingdom in order to protect Misty's Togepi, which was wanted by an evil member of the royal court, Hansen, who needed it for a ritual in order to take over the throne instead of the Princess Sarah. Hansen cornered the kids with his little bug army and has now fired two hyper beams and a solar beam on them. That's looking a little more than they were prepared for right now, but what saves them is Togepi. And Togepi has advanced far beyond the old, use metronome, who knows what might happen, I'm not sure I really understand what danger I'm in. Like now Togepi's glowing and making shields and looking like it actually meant to do that. <laughs> glowing brighter than the sun itself, and it takes everyone by surprise. And last episode, remember, there's this mirage of an old upside-down castle hanging over the real-world one? The door on the mirage starts glowing, too, and then shoots out a bright beam. 
After an even bigger light show, the kids and the princess, Miranda, Togepi, all the good guys, have vanished. Team Rocket are a little confused, but Hansen seems only slightly thrown by this development. He knows where they've gone. So he orders his lackeys to follow him and they march off. The man might have a plan. In the meantime, the kids have all teleported to a meadow, and according to Miranda, they're inside the mirage, inside the Togepi Paradise. She's been here once before, when Sarah's father prepared to ascend his throne. There's a symbiotic relationship between the Mirage Kingdom and the Togepi Paradise. They protect each other, but parts of the paradise aren't looking so paradisiacal. Plants are wilting, the sky looks dark. Something's out of balance. This is the Togepi home, where they were born, where they always return to in time, which is part of why they're so rare. Misty's Togepi looks sad to see things degenerating, and then something calls its attention and it flies off. Misty runs after it, followed by their friends, and they all see many more Togepi, except these ones look weak and sick. Through May's Pokedex, we learn that Togepi has the power to make people happy, fill them with joy, but when it meets humans with impure hearts, that energy can be sapped away, bringing danger to their health. Now think back, who have we met in the recent past who might have had an impure heart who came in contact with the Togepi? Yes, Hansen. The guy currently having his Pokemon trying to attack the temple so hard that they rip space and time. You know, as a side note, my first thought when I saw that Mirage world was that we might be connected to... The reverse world, the negative zone, that place where the unknown live, connected to Dialga, Palkia, and Giratina, Arceus. And yeah, they look nothing alike, but all this talk about ripping space and time suggests to me they might be connected some way to the Togepi Paradise. I'm just not sure how yet. We need to track down that one professor who backpacks through the reverse world and ask him. Anyway, Togepi can see what Hansen's trying to do, and flies through the barrier thing to get back to the real world. Ash goes to follow, but he can't pass through the barrier. Must be a Togepi perk. Don't know why Togepi left, though. I mean, Hansen's ninjask team creams it in a few seconds, and now Hansen's caught Togepi, just like he wanted. I don't know, did Togepi have a plan going into this? At the very least, it shows terrible partnering. Misty's roaring to go, rescue her Pokemon, back it up, but she's trapped behind the barrier despite all efforts to break out. But the rest of the Togepi, even in their weakened state, they can teleport them all through the barrier, so... Yeah, I know Misty hasn't really been training Togepi actively, but it still surprises me that it, it goes in without backup, without a partner. Maybe not that surprised. I mean, really, that's all Togepi did its entire childhood. But at the same time, Togepi, you've known these people all your life. Ash hatched you. Brock took care of you when you were sick. Pikachu's been babysitting you since the day you were born. Misty has not left your side since she got you. Like, they love you and care about you. And between all of them, they are really freaking powerful. So... Don't forget that when you make your plans. <laughs> These people not only want to help you, they're very good at it. So, Misty et al. make it out of the Mirage Kingdom just as Hansen visits the king and queen and is like, I got a Togepi! 
Next step is to measure my crown size, right? Now, the king is not down with this. He knows that Pokemon is stolen. But Hansen's like, no, this unconscious Togepi has chosen me. So he and Team Rocket round up the king and queen and force them out of the room. Jesse gets on the news broadcast and tells the kingdom they have a new king, the former regent, Colonel Hansen. Applause, applause. And you know, the locals don't seem super down with this. It could just be because Jesse's announcing anyone who is not Sarah that makes them uneasy, but it kind of implies to me that, you know, Colonel Hansen is not unknown to the general public, and the general public do not think he would be a great ruler of them. Just more and more I'm reminded that Monsieur King, you can fire this guy. You don't need to keep employees who are terrible at their jobs and no one likes. There are other places in the universe where they can find their place. In the meantime, the Twerps talk strategy. How to beat Hansen's Pokemon. And Max is going off like Shedinja is the most dangerous one of all, and that's the one we have to beat? Like, do they not know? They've just figured out that it's a bug type, so use fire. And yeah, if Maze Torchic can hit, one little ember attack should be all they need. <laughs> this is beautiful. Like, I know it's on the team for the baddies, but I'm getting so ramped up with this Shedinja that everyone recognizes as a threat. I'm rooting for it all episode. Go, Shedinja, go! Sarah, however, is not rooting for Shedinja, or any of Hansen's Pokémon. She's worried about her parents. If Hansen took over the throne, well, something had to happen to the old guard, and he wouldn't want them hanging around for too long. Ash and Misty promise to help. They'll find her parents and try to make this situation right again. And Misty backs that up, like, Despite all appearances, Ash really comes through in a crisis. And Ash is not thrilled by the quantifier, but before he can grill her too much about that, Brock pops up and starts wailing about his love, and I'm sure Ash is like, Oh, right, that's why Sarah might not believe it easily. I travel with that guy. He's ruining my hero image. Misty drags Brock off by the ear, and again, Max is like, yes! Hashtag life goals. Well, Colonel Hansen now sits on the throne. He's got a togepi, but he doesn't seem to be following all the steps Miranda has mentioned in the past. Togepi hasn't disappeared, for one. They were supposed to do a ritual in the temple. But he is the one with power and a throne under his butt, so that makes him king. And James wants to know if that means he can be prince. But no, Hansen got what he wanted. He doesn't need Team Rocket anymore and tells them to leave. And when they don't, he has his Pokemon use that are attacks to send Team Rocket blasting off. Good job, Hansen. Day one and you're already breaking the palace. Taylor and Beautifly see this, among other things, as they're flying around doing reconnaissance. They didn't see Sarah's parents, but Miranda is sure Hansen locked them in the tower. So these kids have got to break into the palace. Meanwhile, Hansen is finally going through with that coronation ritual. I guess someone told him he had to. Should have done that first. Then no one could dispute his right. That's the whole point of those rituals. But he's there now, and in a fancy ceremony, places Togepi on a dais. And the priest is like, yep, that's a Togepi. <laughs> so while that's going on, Team Rocket makes it back just in time to see Brock, Max, and Miranda running up to the palace. 
Mudkip is leading the way. Brock says it its fin can detect movements in the air and it can also sense what is going on. I mean, except for Team Rocket hiding right behind that tree. Unless Mudkip did see them and was like, yeah, not my problem. But while I believe Mudkip's ability to use its fin like that to, to detect air currents, somehow I don't buy its ability to detect the displaced air caused by the king and queen thousands of feet away through walls and corridors and a hundred other humans and Pokemon also moving and displacing air. Let alone Mudkip's ability to tell which air movements actually belong to the king and queen and not just some other person. And Brock's general assertion that Mudkip can also sense what's going on, like, what does he mean by that? Did Mudkip take psychic vitamins this morning? It's never demonstrated that skill before. Team Rocket watches them go by and decides this fits into a Hanson revenge plan. They yank out their old fortune teller costumes and set up a table just as the group runs by. Like, what you seek is in the west. Yes, stick to the west of Colonel Hanson's house. Brock and the others do take the advice. I mean, these fortune tellers seem to be pretty on point. So, <laughs> Meanwhile, Ash and the others have followed Talo to the colonel. He's trying to force Togepi to open the door to the Mirage Kingdom, but we'll have to put that on hold to battle once the kids show up. I have a question here about just why Hansen needs Togepi to open the door to the Mirage Kingdom. Is it just to get rid of Togepi? Because Togepi going back to the Mirage Kingdom is supposed to be kind of the final proof that Togepi's work is done and Hansen is king? Or is there something in the Togepi Kingdom that he wants? Because it seems like Hansen himself wants to go there, so it's a little unclear. But anyway, Maze Torchic manages to get a good hit on one of the ninjasks before the other takes it out with Shadow Ball. Pikachu then jumps in for thunder, and that takes out both the ninjask. But remember, we still have Shedinja to deal with. It uses Solar Beam, and it would have hit because Misty, I guess, rolled terrible initiative today. But Togepi protects them with Safeguard. And has summoned its other Togepi buddies from the Mirage Realm. Sarah's like, no, you almost leave, it's too dangerous. But we as the audience see some very familiar metronome-like movements, and we're like, continue, Togepi. There's some glowing blue light that all the Togepi concentrate on Misty's Togepi, who glows blue in return, and then shoves Hansen back and evolves into Togetic. Not a lot of people have seen that Pokemon. And according to Sarah, it's the kindness of Misty and the others that, he that has healed all the Togepi and given power to the now Togetic, despite having originally lost energy being around a corrupted heart of Hansen. And Sarah's ready to guard the Guardians, defend the defenders against Hansen and Shedinja. How are we still dealing with this Pokemon? Does anime Shedinja not have the same hit point problem? Then again, I don't think anyone's actually landed a hit, have they? And as long as no one ever does, no one will ever find out. Well, the Togetic and the Togepi all let off some amazing light, I guess recharging power, absorbing Shedinja's solar beam, and then finally we get Misty into the turn order. And our lady made it worth the wait, because she calls out Gyarados. 
Ash is like, whoa, character development while I was gone. Last time I saw you, Misty, you wouldn't even look at a Gyarados. Hansen's not impressed. Like, you think a water Pokemon can beat my Shedinja? Like, dude, any Pokemon can beat your Shedinja. It doesn't matter their type as long as they hit or create a secondary effect or you struggle. Like, one hit point, man. You're facing a Pokemon that's as dull as a building. Of course it can take your Shedinja. <laughs> this Shedinja, like, to have such a reputation and inspire such confidence, it, it is a Pokemon of legend, truly. But while Gyarados may be a water type, it can use Flamethrower. So while it's kind of overkill for dealing with Shedinja, it is nonetheless effective. Not unpredictably, Shedinja goes down without a fight. Everyone else is like, no way, just one attack. And Missy's like, yeah, I beat a Shedinja, praise me. More impressive, more impressive, Gyarados also burned off half of Hansen's mustache. And since Brock's team has rescued the royal couple, Hansen can be apprehended, the throne retaken. And with that settled, all the Togepi can return home. So can Togetic. Well, it doesn't have to, but it wants to. What if someone tried this again, and Misty didn't just happen to be embroiled in a Team Rocket plot so it could save the day? No, Togetic's evolved now, and it spent so many years making Misty happy. It wants to protect its friends now. I love this, and that Ash is like, Oh, that's cool. Well done, my son. I couldn't be prouder. Chip off the old block. Like, casual reminder... Misty might have raised Togepi, but remember, it was Ash who carried that thing around and slept with it and sang to it and hatched Togepi, and it was only because of chance and stubbornness that Misty was the first thing Togepi saw, and it thinks now Misty is its mom. And then the whole tournament with Team Rocket where Misty won Togepi in the end. It's a tiny thing, but I just like this little moment where Togepi is doing self something selfless and brave and sacrificing, and Ash feels the need to express his praise. It's not much, but it's all I need to draw that line back for their connection. The rest of the scene belongs to Misty. She and Togetic have a little moment, and she kind of takes focus off herself for a second to remind Togetic that its responsibilities won't just be to the Togepi, but to Sarah and the kingdom as well. Togetic's okay with that, and though it smiles, Misty too, both of their eyes are full of tears. And they clasp hands, and I love, like, it makes sense with the evolution, but the more mature look that Togetic is giving her, more than it ever did as a Togepi, like, it's grown up. It's seeing her as an equal partner for the first time. But when you're a little, little kid, like, your parents, like, they're all powerful, and they're perfect, and they kind of exist to cater to your whims, like, you don't see them as a real person. Because as a child, it's hard for you to see outside of yourself. But by the time you've become an adult, hopefully you've you know, developed that sense of empathy and you've begun to realize the existence of other people in the world and they have their own lives and feelings going on and not everything is about you. You get a better sense of all your parents have done for you and who they are as people when they're not, you know, looking after you and raising you. <laughs> And they, in turn, start seeing you as a grown adult in your own right. It's really special that Misty and Togepi are kind of having a similar little moment. 
And then there's some hugging. Misty tells her little baby that she loves it, uh, but Togetic is all grown up now and it's time to leave. So it rises into the sky and disappears through the mirage door with the other Togepi. But one of the Togepi stays to be with Sarah. Perhaps this was the one she was meant to find all along so she can ascend the throne. And we already know she'll be a good person for the job. Even before the Togepi started pulling on her skirt, Sarah promised Misty that she'd take care of the Togepi paradise and protect it, even if she never had the crown. So she's got some good qualities in her. I think the Mirage Kingdom is in safe hands. Well, the next day, it's time to head back. For Misty, that means Cerulean City. And there's a cute moment where Brock's like, remember that I'm crushing real hard on your sisters. And she's like, ugh. But Misty seems to have made friends with May and Max and invites them to come visit her gym sometimes, cheers May on in her contest dreams, and then she and Ash have a moment where Ash praises her good work as a gym leader and tells her to keep it up. She tells him to work hard for the Hoenn League, and he and Pikachu are like fist pumping, like, what else, first place? And then she flies back home via Sarah's airship. I mean, on the one hand, I kind of wanted more Ash and Misty interaction, or Misty-Brock interaction even, but on the other hand, I like that they're still in such contact, and at this point it hasn't been so long, that when they get together, it's like, yeah, business as usual. And when they leave, it's not like a big drawn-out thing. They know they'll chat again and see each other again. Like, it's just comforting to me that Misty's leaving again, and this time... Neither of them are super worried about it. There's not like, we have to say all the most important last words because this is the end and, and crying and things. It's just like, I'll miss you, but, you know, this isn't forever. Really, it just makes me happy to see that their team of threes still functions like a team. And while May and Max, like, they don't get in the way of that, you can really see the contrast. Misty shows up in a crisis and the Trinity just shifts into their roles. Like, we got this... We got this. We all know what we're supposed to do. Whereas with May and Max, when crisis hits, they generally just all hide behind Ash. <laughs> so, as far as, like, episodes go, I remember when this originally aired, like, I was super, super in love with it just because Misty came back. Now that I'm looking at it again, there's a lot of flaws to it. Like, it's real unclear Beyond just being king, what Hansen wants, what his motivations are, why he wants to get into the Mirage Kingdom. It's a little unclear, like, the relationship um, all the Togebi have with being happy and impure hearts. I'm not sure if it's, like, the prolonged proximity of the kingdom to to the Togepi paradise, where the Togepi just have this impure heart next to them all the time, or if it's because Misty's Togepi in specific came in contact with Hansen, that the Togepi paradise is like wilting. One dude with an impure heart wandering around compared to like the thousands of others that don't have impure hearts. Like, I don't know. There's a lot about that that could be made more clear and less ambiguous. And the whens and whys of Togepi entering and leaving the Rorage Kingdom when it takes its friends, when it doesn't, and all that. Like, it's just a lot of... A few strategic lines here and there could have cleared that up. Like, there's just a lot of little things that's just like, hmm. And then, of course, the fact that this is the episode where Misty comes back, 
And she had the lowest initiative role of anybody. Like, I feel like she should have had a little more to do and played a little bit of a bigger role. Ash is our main character, but otherwise this episode is kind of arguably about Misty and Togepi. So Ash got serviced very well in this episode. He got to do a lot of things. He didn't have, like, a lot of character development, but he got to do a lot of things, and that's really all we needed from him, again, because it's about Misty and Togepi. In true form to this show, Misty, like, most of her character moments came towards the very end of this episode, and until she called out that Gyarados, none of them were of her own agency. (laughs) All about other people's choices. So I could have stood to see her taking a bit more active role in trying to locate Hanson, trying to locate um, Sarah's parents, that kind of thing. I feel like she really just kind of sat on the side until that very end moment where we needed her, which is a lot of how she was treated when she was actually in the series. Like, they sometimes seem to just forget what to do with her. And again, being that she and Togepi are the ones the episode is about... I think she should have had a little bit more screen time and relevance on the plot just to balance things properly. But again, anytime we get to see Misty, like even when they don't know how to use her most effectively, she's still just such a good character. I love her to pieces. She has grown a lot as a person and it makes me happy to see, makes me happy to see Ash acknowledging it even too. That's wonderful. But that concludes the two-parter, so thank you so much for listening. Um, If you'd like to keep up with this podcast, you can visit us on iTunes at our blog page, peakhappypodcast.blogspot.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter at peakhappypodcast. And as always, you can send an email to peakhappypodcast at gmail.com. For now, we'll wrap it up. Have a very good weekend, everybody. And until next time, this has been Peak Happy Podcast. Gotta catch them all. Yeah.